Who of us cannot relate to Mary and Martha? I think I have a Mary's heart, but I live in a Martha world. <laughs> I want to be Mary. I strive to be Mary, but truth be known, I am more like a Martha. How many can relate? Yeah. So tonight we're going to talk about living in a world of distractions and how we can let Jesus and let the sunshine in our lives in the midst of distractions. I don't know about you, but I sit down to worship and I don't get that many phone calls. And this thing in my back pocket's going, bzz, 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 bzz. I didn't look at it once, so you would be proud of me. Thank you. I, but it was in my back pocket. I'm thinking, why is that going off? I hope it wasn't somebody trying to tell me something. Anyway. One of our greatest challenges this side of heaven is to stay focused, isn't it, in a world of distractions. We're becoming quickly conditioned to distractions, and it really is harming our ability to sit still and to listen and to receive from the Lord. And you know the most dangerous distraction is the distraction that takes us away from God. I think sometimes we try to think of, oh, well, this thing is a bad thing or that thing's a bad thing that's a distraction. You know, whatever it is, that takes us away from God, that's the most dangerous distraction. And we have to kind of get to the place where we recognize that. Tonight I'm going to talk about some of these distractions. And of course the list could be many. So I just narrowed it down. You personally know what your distractions are. And you can just apply things. But why is it that we're talking about this tonight? Because when we're distracted, our heart is divided. And God is calling us to live as women with undivided hearts. In Proverbs, it says, keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all sideshow distractions. So it's going to boil down to this question. What do you and I want to do with our God-given time here on earth? Because every distracted minute, every minute that we forfeit is unrecoverable. Once it's gone, we can't get it back. So we have to be careful and be choosy about what we do. And I say that to you because I believe that your life is far too valuable to God. He has put inside each one of us gifts and passions and callings, and he has called us to live at this very time, in a very technological age, in a very busy age, in an age where there's a lot of things going on. God dropped us, those of us here, at this very time because he knew that we would be able to overcome these distractions and challenges and we would be able to shine for him. Okay? So tonight I'm going to talk about the common distractions, but I'm warning you way ahead. I couldn't possibly begin to list them all, so I'll just pick a few and we'll apply them. And at the end of tonight, then I'm going to give you a remedy for some of your distractions. You with me? Okay. Well, you don't sound very excited. <laughs> Take those masks down if you have to. Are you with me? Okay, then I better pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we come before you and we lift up this time that we have together to take a, a peek inward at ourselves and to take an honest look at ourselves and see if there's anything that's becoming, that is coming between you and us. And Lord, you're not here to condemn us or shame us or spank us. We're here to, to be taught and you want to teach us because you know when we're near to you and close to you, it's the best life of all. So open our hearts and our minds and let us be not hearers only, but doers. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, distractions we face. Well, the Bible says that we have an enemy. 
And that enemy consists of three things. The world, you know, the flesh, and the devil, right? And those three things are um, always in our life and tugging at us. The world, you know, there's billboards in front of us and there's TVs and there's this thing and there's that thing and there's Google and there's Amazon and all of these things are in front of us and they aren't bad things in and of themselves. You know, tonight I'm not here to bash anything. What I'm here to do is to say that we have to take a look at these things and like I often told my own kids, good, better, best. You know, Amazon's a good thing. During the pandemic, I don't know what I would have done without Amazon. But when Amazon is all I do, and it's the first thing I do in the morning, or I'm always shopping on it, then all of a sudden that good thing isn't so good anymore, correct? So it isn't that anything I point out isn't going to be that it's so bad. It's about us and the choices that we make. The, the Bible tells us, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So our choice has to be God first, Jesus first. And then the other things, they're just going to be added unto us. And that's a promise. Not only do we have the world that we have to deal with, but we have our flesh. That body that we live in. We like pleasure. We like entertainment. And I'm going to hit us most of all, we like stuff. Don't we, girls? We like stuff. We say, if I only had this or if I had more of that, more will never make you happier. More only gives you more to take care of and more to maintain. So don't fall for the lie that, oh, if I just had a little bit more of this, I would be happier. Solomon, the wisest man in the world, says, better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. I call that, this scripture, one handful living. This is the life that will really shine for Jesus. If your hands are so full, how can God put anything into hands already full? He can't, right? But if we live like Solomon said, one handful, you know, if we live with a hand that's open, guess what? We always have time to reach out and help somebody, reach out and bless somebody, reach out and be available to somebody. But if we're juggling stuff all the time and we don't want to give anything away and we, everything's precious to us, we are distracted by our stuff. So be careful. It isn't that stuff is wrong. It's only wrong when your stuff has you. And it owns you and you can't let go of it. And I'm going to tell you tonight, the flesh never satisfies. Never satisfies at all. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does matter. Amen? So strive to do that. So we have the world is an enemy, the flesh, our own flesh is an enemy that we fight for distractions, and the devil. We have a real enemy out there. Satan is our enemy, and he wants to defeat us, God bless you, by whatever means that he can. His biggest efforts go into drawing us away from God. The most likely thing is you and I are probably not going to turn our backs and walk totally away from God. But the enemy will distract us and take our time and put our eyes other places so that we cannot be as effective as God wants us to be. That we won't shine as much as God wants us to shine. Okay, so what other kind of distractions? I'm going to tell you circumstances. Sometimes just life, difficulties, hardships, 
worry, pain? What about during the COVID time, fear? All of those things, those are circumstances that draw us away from God. The more you focus on a circumstance, guess what? It has a way of growing, doesn't it? The more I look at my problem or my problems, the bigger they get. I don't know if you remember, but Daniel in the lion's den, it speaks about him. And it says that he was sleeping. Now, if he was focused on the lions all night that were supposed to eat him and devour him, I highly doubt if he would have been sleeping. You and I, we're like Daniels living in this day and age. There are circumstances that surround us. We live in a world that's gotten quite hostile, agreed? I mean, people are edgy, maybe including us at times. But you know what? Can you sleep in the midst of your circumstances? In other words, can you relax? Can you trust God to say, you know what, God? I'm not going to worry about this all day. I'm not going to focus on it all day. People are a distraction. And I, nothing can sabotage your walk quicker than relationships that have gone sour or wrong, whether it's family members or coworkers or whatever it might be. When we focus on people, they distract us and they take our eyes off the Lord. Peter said this um, in John 21, 19 and 22. It says, then Jesus told him, speaking of Peter, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. Peter asked Jesus, well, what about him, Lord? And Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, you follow me. So people, you know, here's Peter, a great disciple, right? Love the Lord, standing with the Lord, and he's distracted, you know? And, and so people do that to us. Sometimes we focus on maybe what other people have or that we don't have, or maybe somebody has skills that you don't have, or they have giftings, and we get distracted. And we begin to look at them and think that we can't do anything because we're looking at them. And I think that one of the most important skills that we need to develop as we grow in our walk with the Lord is the ability to just say no. You know, we won't get so t sidetracked if we learn to say no. People, well-meaning people, family members, bosses, employers, employees, asked us to do things all the time, right? And we have to learn just to say no. Do you know how Christians say no? No. <laughs> That's how we say. So I'm going to give you a little practice lesson. Are you with me? Okay. Don't lose your sense of humor. So we have to learn to say no. But the technique matters. So you hold your head high, use your chins up, come on, let me see you do it, come with me. And then you kind of tilt it down a little and you go, no. <laughs> okay, I'm watching, let's see you do it, you got to practice or you're not going to get good at this. And by the way, you can't say no because you just get to say no. And you can't do like some kids do, no. That's an attitude, you can't do that, so hold your head high. Come on, take your chin, do the little downward motion and go, no. You're getting it. So we have to be able to say no. Susie, will you, do, will you watch my kids tonight? No. Susie, would you be able to give me a ride? No. Susie, would you be able to? Come on, do it with me. No. And I'm not being mean. But saying yes all the time is a huge distraction. And I know because 
I live in that sometimes. I'm the middle child of nine, and middle children are people pleasers. Now, I have spent my life trying to shed that, and I'm still working on it. And it's not as if it's all bad, but we certainly have to say no. And we don't need an excuse with it or anything else. And just because I can do something or just because you, you can do something does not mean you're supposed to do it, right? Does not mean God has called you to do it. If you're always distracted and trying to be available to everyone, guess what? You will be good to no one. You're too spread thin. Dear Martha up here, she showed us that. You know, always just fidgeting and busy and can't do this and can't do that. We just have to learn to just quiet ourselves somewhat. And again, we're not here to, you know, spank ourselves, so to say. We're here to, le to learn because it's, it's a lifetime of learning. Okay, so you knew this next thing was going to come up. Technology is a distraction, right? It is here and in our lives and has amazing purpose. And it's to bless us and not to curse us. But if we're not careful, our technology, primarily this thing that has all these messages on it right now, uh, our technology can quickly become a weapon of mass distraction. Learning to tame our tech obsession is it's a new and vital life skill. You know what? Let me just tell you this. More people in the world own one of these, a cell phone, than own a toothbrush. <laughs> True. You can check me out. You can go to Google for all these stats <laughs> that I'm telling you. On our phone is our calendar is our pictures, is our contacts, is our phone numbers, is our notes, is the book I'm reading currently, is my songs I listen to, the newspapers on here that I read, my workouts are on here, my health app is on here that tells me that my blood pressure is too high most of the time, my banking's on here, my credit card's on here, our maps are on here, my email's on here, our shopping, the entire mall is on this phone. It's here. It's an amazing tool. It's awesome that we've been blessed with it, but it's an absolute distraction if we don't learn to manage it. Statistics say in the next 30 minutes that you will check your cell phone 12 times. Now, don't do it right now. Turn it over. Don't pick it up. It's so hard. But statistics say that you will check this 12 times. That's a lot in 30 minutes. I'm only going to talk for 30 minutes tonight. You hope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what gives these devices such a stronghold? Why is it that we cannot put these things down? Well, they actually have a name for it. Huh? It's called FOMO. Anybody heard of that? It's fear of missing out. We don't want to miss a message. We don't want to miss somebody's tweet. We don't want to miss a post. We don't want to miss anything. But it is actually a term, and it's, it's a form of anxiety that has developed in our society because people get addicted to their technology. The amount of people that are addicted to technology is humongous, and we have to be careful. We have to manage these. Like I said when I first started talking, these can be the biggest blessing ever. I'm so thankful that I can connect with some people I live far away with and things like that. But on the other hand... I have to be careful that I don't overuse this. Um, part of having these phones that we do, selfies. Is anybody as tired of selfies as I am, you know? Oh, 
Oh, that's me. That's me when I was a kid. Sorry. Ah, that's me on Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know how these got my study tonight. Uh, oh, there's me again. I had pigtails one day. Yeah, that's me when I, uh, anyway, when I was trying to be as good as Kristen is at her little role. <laughs> no, selfies. You, do you know that you are more likely to die from trying to get the perfect selfie than from a shark attack? That's a true statistic. People get up on the cliffs and they say, come on, honey, get up here, let's get a picture. And oh, get little Junior and hold Junior over the edge so we look, you know. And I went on the internet and I was gonna put some up here for you, but you, you know, you've seen people go to all different kinds of extent to take selfies. You know what? I'm pretty sure that the Bible says that we're to be careful of self and that we're not to focus as much on ourselves as we focus on others, right? We're to consider others more important than ourselves. Okay, so not only are selfies and technology, but social media. We're talking Facebook and Twitter and Snap whoever and this and that. Hey, they are, per you know those apps are personally, they are designed to be a, a distraction. So you know, I have, I'll confess a few of my sins tonight, but don't, don't hang me on them. But, so I like tennis shoes, right? And so I, you know, I'm casually on Amazon or I'm on Facebook. I, I don't do Facebook, but I am a stalker and I get on my sister's Facebook <laughs> once in a while just to see what family's doing. But, you know, while I'm there, I might touch an ad or I like, I like tennis shoes, you know, just Adidas, Nikes, whatever. So, yeah, all my years of uh, PE teaching and coaching have caught up with me. So I check out a pair of tennis shoes. And do you know from that day forward what keeps popping up on every feed is, I can't go on Amazon and buy a pair of tennis shoes. I get, I get obliterated, I mean, with all these shoes. And I love them. And before I know it, I'm like hitting the button and then going to the site and then seeing if they have my size and then deciding what color. And I'm like, Susie, you're not even gonna buy any more shoes, stop. <laughs> but it knows you, your technology knows you. You know that, right? And those things just pop up. And why do you think they pop up? Because if you're like me, you get easily distracted <laughs> and you, 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 you get drawn away by it and into something you didn't intend it to. Okay, so a few statistics for you. 210 million people suffer from addiction to social media. That's a lot of people. So we have to be careful. The average person spends five hours a day on social media. And the average teenager spends nine hours a day which equals 24 years of their life. Do you think they recognize that when they're distracted away and on their social media, they have no clue, but it is swallowing them up and taking their time. Single females are addicted to social media more than any other group. We more, leave it said at that. <laughs> the result is loneliness. You know what, it's possible to be liked and to be lonely. More people are connected in our world than ever before, and there are more lonely people than ever before. Studies show if people spend a lot of time on their social media, they're more likely to suffer from depression and anxiety, and they're less productive at their work. Listen, digital distractions are not a game. And we live in a world with them, so we have to say, okay, Lord, how are we to handle these things? You know, they keep us from what? 
from work. Pat did a great message about that. How many hours are stolen from employers because people are on their digital devices? Too many, too many. And for us, we should not be doing that. Digital distractions keep us from people. We're told to love our neighbor, or we're to, we, we're to talk with real people. And listen, when you're hurting, you don't want an emoji with a tear from me, do you? <laughs> you want me to put my arms around you and hug you and say, it's going to be okay. You want us to lay hands on each other. You want someone that's real. You know, you don't want one of those emojis. Nothing wrong with emojis. But we, we do, what we don't want to do is that we trade real moments with real people for the past moments of someone else. Because you know that's what social media is. It's already happened. It's old news. And you're looking at it and spending hours and going through it and it's absorbing you. But it's, you're not living in the now. And we're called to live in the now. And if you're on it too, too much, then you're distracted. And you're missing opportunities to witness to others, to love others with the love of Jesus Christ, to do those things like God calls us to do with hospitality and other things. And ultimately, these distractions, they take us away from God. And I don't know about you, but I think God deserves my full attention. And it does not mean it's not a struggle. <laughs> you know, I... I sit down to have a quiet time in the morning, and it, if it isn't the dishes screaming at me over on the, the, the sink over there or some, some other thing, it's my social media or my phone, I think, well, I'll just take a quick peek and see, you know. So I'm telling you, they're not a good thing. So we have this thing. I, I guess I already slid it up there. It's called, uh, they're calling it spiritual attention deficit disorder. It's a real thing. We sit down to do something spiritual, and everything takes our attention. And that's a work of the enemy. He wants us. He, if he cannot get us to deny the Lord and to turn our back on God, he just wants us distracted. He just says, I'm happy distracting her. And the danger of that is, is what I said in the beginning, then you will have a divided heart. It's easier for most people to post than it is to pray. It's easier to be on Facebook than to put your face in God's book. It's easier to Snapchat and to forget about real chatting. And I don't know, but I have spent my, so much of my life with my young adult children now teaching them that, you know what, life is about real people, and you need to focus on real people and be there for them. And I said to you that um, digital distractions are not good, and they keep us from people, you know, they'll steal away our children. I know. You might be here tonight, and you might be a mom of a prodigal. I can relate to you. My heart aches. You know what? The digital world, my son meeting someone stole him away months back. I know one day God will restore us. I know one day that boy will come home. But for now, if you sense a passion in me, it's because he was stolen away by someone he didn't even know. And he drove clear across the United States. And he's on the other side of the United States. And there he is. And you know what? I, I love him no less. I pray for him. I pray for your children. I pray if you're a young mom that you tune into your kids and don't just give them unlimited. My son did not have unlimited access, but he's an adult now. 
He lived with us. We came home on a Tuesday night. Everything happens to me on Tuesdays. <laughs> Is anybody else like that? Everything. So I come home on a Tuesday night, and he's gone, just gone. Maybe you're here tonight, and you have a marriage that's distracting you, or you have a boss that's distracting you, or you have a health issue that's a distraction. You live in pain. Pain is a constant distraction. <laughs> you have things, but you know what? God wants to meet us at that place, and I want to tell you we can function in the middle of our distractions. If I did what I wanted to do when my situation occurred with my son, I would have stayed in bed and curled up and not got out. But you know what? I didn't want to do that. I said, no, God, you're big enough to get him and take care of him and to go after him, and I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to choose to follow hard after you. I'm going to believe what I sing about. By the way, good worship tonight. Uh, you know, I'm going to believe that I, you're, you're big enough to take care of the things that concern me. And I'm going to press on. And I'm going to serve you. And you're here tonight with your own personal things that are distractions. And you have to sometimes just say, okay, God, I sang that I will trust you. I am going to trust you and let you take care of this matter that concerns me. And that's what we have to do. So let me finish here. I'm going to talk about remedies for distractions, a few things that might just help us. But take a minute and, you know, tap the person next to you or poke them and tell them, wake up, this part's really good. Come on. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So I just had to make sure you... Are you all awake? Okay. I can't tell. You might be yawning under your mask. So I thought... You know, I better tell them, pay attention, this part's good. Okay, so if you want a remedy, focus on Jesus. In Hebrews, it says, therefore, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look at those three words, looking unto Jesus. And that's what you're doing as you're here tonight. You're looking unto Jesus. You're giving him the time and the attention he needs to speak to your heart and teach you. We need to learn to listen to God's voice. He's a speaking God. He's always speaking to us through his word. But we have to quiet ourselves. We have to set some things aside, don't we? We have to create a margin in our life that we have room to listen to the Lord. If we're like Martha and we're so busy that we're moving from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, where does God fit into that? We don't have any room. So we have to... Psalm 46, 10 says, be still and know that I'm God. We have to quiet ourselves, don't we? We have to practice focusing. It doesn't come easy. Remember when Peter was walking on the water, Jesus called out to him and told Peter to come. And Peter, when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified, right? And he began to sink. And he said, save me, Lord. He was distracted, right? He began to look at the circumstances around him. If you look at your circumstances, if I continue to look at my circumstances, I'm going to be sinking. And I have a feeling that there's a few of you that might be sinking tonight because you're so distracted. And God's brought you here tonight to speak to your heart, to tell you, quiet yourself. I have to have a plan for my quiet time. I have my God chair. And first thing in the morning, I get up, I do start the teapot because I'm a tea drinker, and then I go to my God chair. And it's just a recliner. I love to put my feet up. Now, that's my God chair. After the morning, my husband Bob can sit in it any time he wants, the rest of the day. <laughs> but I tell him, you go somewhere else. 
because I don't do it bossy like that, but, you know, he knows. Go somewhere else because he distracts me, you know, because he wants to tell me what God's speaking to him, and I'm like, go away so I can hear God speak to me. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, I'm thankful for that. But I have to have my tools out. I have my Bible sitting there. I have my iPad if I want to listen to worship. Because if I'm really distracted, I'll start with worship songs. I have to sometimes leave my phone a whole other place away from me. Because just like you saw, if it's going, bzz, 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 it thinks it's calling me. I have to ask God to wait a minute. And I don't think that's such a great idea. So have a God chair. Joyce, I was talking to my friend Joyce. She's here somewhere. Hi, Joyce. She was telling me, and we weren't even talking about all this, but she was saying how distracted she, maybe you did know I was teaching on distractions, how distracted she gets, and she puts herself in a corner in her room. True story, huh, Joyce? Yeah. So if you're saying, I don't quite know how to get rid of all the distractions, I think she's got it wired. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to turn my recliner around and face the corner, you know, to get the quiet time I need. But whatever it takes... That you say, okay, I'm not going, before I put my feet on the ground out of bed, I'm going to meet with God first. Whatever it takes, come up with a plan. Because if zero plan gets zero results, so you got to have something. Okay, have a practical plan. Turn off the notifications on your phone. Limit yourself. Say, I, I can't pick that up until I first meet with God. You know what? Delete apps you don't use, really. It's just one more thing to deal with on your phone. Okay, so say to yourself, if you walk away tonight, what are some practical things I can do to make my life not so distracted? Okay, here we go. Last thing, focus your thinking. Manage your mind. I always say that to women. Mind your mind, because where your thoughts go is where you go, right? And I already covered, think about Jesus, be thinking about others. It's not all about you. And think about eternity, what matters to God that you're doing? What matters with your time? Because this is just a vapor here, and we're going to be out of here. Anybody want to say glory? <laughs> Go ahead. We're going to be out of here. You know that saying that says, you're, you know, you're so heavenly-minded, you're no earthly good? I, no offense, but I don't know who came up with that thing, because that is not right. We should say to ourselves, I'm so earthly-minded, I'm no heavenly good. I need to be heavenly minded I, not earthly minded you know what I need to have my focus on that I'm just a pilgrim I'm just passing through here this is just a stopover and then I'm going on to eternity and so you know that's if we remind ourselves of those things we can put into perspective our troubles our heartaches our sorrows we can put into perspective our digital world we live in, our technology, our TV watching, our liking stuff, all of that we can put in perspective because we know that's all going to pass one day. There isn't a one of us that's going to get to heaven and stand before the Lord and wish we had, you know, brought our photo album with us. Or, you know, they don't even exist, do they, anymore? That we had brought our phone with us or we had brought this thing or that thing with us. That's not going to happen. The things of the world, they're going to go strangely dim. They're going to fade away. So why does all this matter? Because, once again, when you're distracted, you have a divided heart. And God wants us to have an undivided heart. If we want to truly let the sun shine in our life, then we need to have an undivided heart. And I'm going to, Nene can make her way up here, and I'm going to finish with the words to this song. It was called Undivided, and I stumbled on it in my quiet time, which I love. It says, prone to wander, 
prone to give my heart away to every anxious thought, to every lesser love. Prone to worry, prone to doubt, you're in control of every rise and fall. So I worry and doubt that God's in control. But you, Lord, transcend it all. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I'll walk in your truth. Come, unite my heart to fear you. All I am is yours, and Lord, I praise you. You can have my heart undivided. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the time tonight to just take a practical stop and look at our lives and the things that have entered into our lives and how we're going to deal with them. And we do pray, Father, as we talk at the table and as we learn from one another, as we look at each other, real people, eyeball to eyeball, we'll be comforters to one another, encouragers to one another, and we'll help each other as we walk through this world. So, Father, we do pray. Give us those undivided hearts, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.